Right, fired up. Deep breath, let's get after it. I think this is gonna give us a good buffer here. We're just gonna go like hell. And four, engage the go like hell. Bumper, 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 go that door. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty good right now. Go, go, go. All you got now. Oh, he just wrecked us. Just you and him, bud. I'm all hard. Still there. Quarter. Clear. Clear all the way by half. No runs coming. Man, see better. Good morning, race fans. Today is Tuesday, March 2nd, 2021, and you are tuned into Hard Charging. My name is Mike Bachman, and today is episode three of this NASCAR podcast. And as always, we're dropping the hammer every Tuesday during the NASCAR season. On today's episode, we are breaking down the Dixie Vodka 400 from Homestead Miami Speedway, the first mile and a half track on the schedule. We'll talk about the dominance of some unfamiliar faces, catch you up on some news, and of course, end this Tuesday with some motivation. Now, without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, what do you say? Let's start our engines. A couple of housekeeping notes, just want to make you aware of the YouTube channel that is up and running right now. Uh, the link for that will be in the description of this episode, as well as all the links to the social media accounts for this podcast. But we are uploading exclusive content on YouTube, content that you will only get there, not on this podcast. But in addition to that, we are uploading podcast segments, going to be doing some breaking news and other videos like that. So if you want to subscribe to the channel for some of that extra content, got my 2021 playoff predictions up there in addition to some segments already so appreciate all your support i want to make you aware of the social media accounts for this podcast if you want to uh, further connect over there twitter as well as tiktok we are on tiktok now generating some more excitement about the nascar season and about the sport itself so if you want to follow those accounts uh, much more content to be published there really really appreciate it those links will be in the description of this episode. And in case you're new, welcome to this podcast. Really, really appreciate you spending some time with us here on this Tuesday and every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Eastern throughout the NASCAR season. Just wanted to get that out of the way. Let's get into this race recap. The Dixie Vodka 400 from Homestead Miami Speedway this past weekend. And I want to start with this because Homestead Miami Speedway deserves a ton of praise after the showing this past weekend. And I want to go back to last year. Uh, when we were starting to get inklings about what the 2021 schedule uh, was going to look like. And even prior to that, actually, because when Homestead Miami Speedway lost its date as the season finale, I think there was a lot of skepticism amongst the NASCAR community, myself included, about the future of that track. You know, with this new schedule, we got seven road courses on the schedule, and obviously NASCAR's pushing to get more, get back into more short track racing, back to their roots, right? The bread and butter right now are these mile-and-a-half tracks, tracks like Kansas Speedway, Las Vegas, and you throw Homestead in there as well. And I think this race proved that Homestead-Miami deserves its place on the schedule at this moment because this was probably one of the best mile-and-a-half races that I have watched, and I mean a complete race where I was engaged throughout. There was a lot of mid-pack action, a lot of really good racing, and a lot of green flag passing. And that's one thing that this 550 horsepower package does not necessarily do well, right? Because it's dictated by aerodynamics and drivers that get behind in dirty air. If, if, if the lead car is able to block your air and block your forward momentum, there is no shot you're getting around him. 
You know, I look back to uh, last year, Kansas Speedway in the playoffs between Joey Logano and Kevin Harvick. Uh, it's a perfect example where Kevin Harvick obviously had the faster car, but Joey Logano has proven to be quite an aggressive blocker in his career, especially as of late. Um, was able to block Kevin Harvick's line, stop his forward momentum, and just from there, it's impossible to get around the lead car when that air is blocked. So clean air is everything, man, with this with this 550 horsepower package. But this race, according to the NASCAR Data Statistics Hub, we had 34 green flag passes this race, which is up from 30 in 2020 and 22 in 2019. So there was a lot of action, not even just in mid-pack, but up front as well. And we saw multiple grooves being used. We saw Tyler Reddick and company. You know, some of those guys rim riding, as Mike Joy put it, uh, up there at the top of up there at the top of the wall. So we saw that work. We saw guys slide job from the bottom. We saw Chase Elliott. I don't know how he didn't get punted by Denny Hamlin early in that race where he slid right up in front of him. And Denny Hamlin definitely cut him some slack there. But we had so much good racing throughout this race. And just bouncing off of that. This race was not dominated by one driver, let alone one driver that we had our eyes on prior to this weekend and leading up to this weekend. I mean, come on. So at some point, this track's going to have to be repaved and it's going to lose its multiple groove surface. It's going to lose that gritty surface. You know, it eats tires and plays into the strategy even more so. But right now, I think Homestead Miami is perfect. And it's races like these at tracks like these that we need in order to draw these fans to the sport. Because we talk about Daytona, we talk about super speedway racing, we talk about road course racing, and you know that's all great and fun. And I am all for the additions on, on this 2021 schedule. We need to shake it up. But at some point, you know, right now, this is the bread and butter in NASCAR, these mile and a half tracks. And you know, under the impression that we are going to be using this 550, 550 horsepower package, uh, unsure of what's going to happen when the next-gen car rolls out next year, you know, it's races like these that we need on these tracks, and it's going to draw fans to the sport for sure. But I want to talk more about this 550 horsepower package in particular, um, because I got to give credit where credit is due. I hate this package. I do. You know, that Kansas race in particular turned me off a ton, even more so than I already was. Uh, so I got to give credit where credit is due. And as I keep saying, this race was great uh, across the board, I thought. And you know, by 550 horsepower standards, it was uh, it was a success. Now, I still think that we need to veer away from this package and get some horsepower back in these cars, and you know, put it, put it in the hands of the drivers and not necessarily in the hands of just the technology and the aerodynamics of the cars. Uh, but nonetheless, this was a this was a great race. And it was almost a breath of fresh air seeing so many new faces up at the top and dominating. I'm talking dominating. Uh, so with that said, it was William Byron who was able to get his second career Cup Series victory. His first with new crew chief Rudy Fugel. Uh, the pair won seven races together in the Truck Series uh, back in 2016, if we remember that. So they do have that connection together. And... This is William Byron's first podium finish on a mile and a half, actually, as well. And William Byron came out swinging. Dominated stage three, basically wasn't even challenged, uh, and came away with the win. 
So big congratulations to William Byron and Rudy Fugel. And just kind of thinking about that, these new crew chief driver pairings are off to a hot, blazing start. You know, we look at Christopher Bell and Adam Stevens. They won in their second race together. Uh, William Byron and uh, Rudy Fugel winning in their third race together in a cup car. And I even look at Cliff Daniels and Kyle Larson. Kyle Larson has been shocking. I'm going to be honest. And, you know, we look at this team, the, the which is, you know, last year was the 48, the 48 crew. And Kyle Larson has just absolutely taken this team and flipped it. It's really, really incredible. And I did not think that it was going to gel like this immediately. But Kyle Larson right now is looking good, man, and could win, is probably going to win multiple races with this speed. It's early still, but I definitely am thinking that I whiffed on Kyle Larson a bit. Uh, thinking it was going to take a little more time. But let's not jump the gun a bit because uh, there's still a lot of racing to go. But nonetheless, these uh, new driver Crucci pairings this year are off to a great start. You know, last year wasn't necessarily the same. You know, we saw Martin Truex Jr. struggle heavy with James Small. They only won once together. Uh, are we going to see Kyle Busch and his new crew chief, Ben Bayshore? I mean, they won the clash in their first race together uh, in a cup car. So, these new driver crew chief pairings are definitely uh, working and teams should be proud. And it's almost shocking in a sense to see the amount of success that they're having so far. Um, but now let's take a look at the remaining results of this race. Because like I said, you look at this top 10 and you look at just the entire race itself and some of the drivers that were dominating this race. And it's it's crazy to think about. William Byron takes home the win. I want to talk about Tyler Reddick, who came up just short in second place. But holy smokes, Tyler Reddick was hard charging there at the end. Uh, cutting off basically almost a half a second of, of William Byron's lead, a lap. And barring a caution, I mean, Tyler Reddick, the way that the track came to that eight car, I mean, he was... Caught up in qualifying positions, had to start way back in the pack, wasn't necessarily able to get up there for most of the race, but that track came to that 18, man, and he was a flying. It was crazy. I mean, Tyler Reddick, even in the Xfinity series, driving for Our Motorsports, you know, a team that doesn't necessarily have great equipment or even sponsorship, drove to a second place finish, even though I believe that that finish was, was disqualified. But nonetheless, uh, Tyler Reddick is a machine at Homestead Miami Speedway, and he's going to have to win. And you know what? Probably was going to have to win this race at any chance of a championship run, uh, or a playoff run, rather. So, uh, great showing for Tyler Reddick, but you got to believe that this team was really looking for that win. It was a track that, you know, we all were expecting Tyler Reddick to be a dark horse threat to win. Um, and Tyler Reddick himself was frustrated at the end of the race. And, you know, what? William Byron winning in three different winners to start the season, three winners that I don't think people thought were going to win a race this, this early this year. And who knows if they were going to race, win a race at all this year. I'm more so looking at Christopher Bell and, uh, or more so Michael McDowell. Um, but still putting the pressure on some of these bubble drivers early and Tyler Reddick is one of them. Martin Trex Jr. A third place finish, uh, was up there leading the race. Great showing for, uh, for Martin Truex considering the rest of Joe Gibbs and, Toyota, for that matter, was non-existent today. Kyle Larson, as I mentioned, a great run. And I want to look at Michael McDowell as well. Because Michael McDowell, I don't know what's in that man's Wheaties every Sunday morning, but that entire team is putting it together. 
And as I said when he won the Daytona 500, putting together clean races, being strategic, finishing top top 15, top 20, that's what this team needs. And to start this season with three straight top 10 finishes is insane. He's the only one next to Kevin Harvick to do so this year. And we're I'm rooting for Michael McDowell. We should be rooting for this team because we don't want them to just be a playoff filler that stole a spot. We want this team to be competitive and we want this team to compete. So if they keep putting together these finishes, you know, this front row motorsports team is really, I think, going to reap a lot of benefits if they continue this, uh, not just from sponsor exposure, but team exposure and all of the above. So continuing to impress here early on is Michael McDowell and, uh, I'm all for it. I am all for it. I want to talk about Roush Fenway Racing right now because they came out of the gates swinging. And I want to talk specifically about Chris Busher, who dominated the first stage. I mean, took Brad Keselowski one-on-one, uh, making some incredible passes and driving away. Uh, it, was, it was incredible. He set a career high in laps led during a race. And this team should be encouraged from this run. I mean, Chris Busher's uh, finish doesn't necessarily refre- reflect the speed that he had, just getting caught back in pit stops, had a poor restart, wasn't necessarily able to recover from that just as the track changed and as it got more cool. Uh, but Ryan Newman was fast, coming away with a seventh-place finish, and Mike Joy noted in the broadcast that Jimmy Fenning, who was the crew chief for Kurt Busch back in 04 when he won the championship, is now overseeing most operations coming out of Roush Fenway Racing. He was overseeing the Super Speedway program, and now he's overseeing most of the operations uh, for all of these tracks. And it has shown immediately here at Homestead. Uh, Roush Fenway Racing has gained a lot of attention for their Super Speedway program and how good they are and how good they have been in recent years on Super Speedways. So is this going to start... Maybe pouring into some of the uh, some of these other tracks. It's going to be interesting to see if they can keep this going, but it's definitely a promising sign uh, coming out of the gates at the first mile and a half for Roush Fenway Racing, and uh, you know just continuing this uh, this storyline of these you know drivers we're not used to seeing at the top. It's it's really great to see. It's really great to see. Kurt Busch is another one. Um, I want to touch on briefly who somehow was able to fight back for an eighth place finish. Kurt Busch probably had one of the best cars of the day. Just just the way he was able to hang around with some of these guys on old tires uh, was really, really impressive. Unfortunately, had a loose wheel uh, late in the race, but again, just showing how much of an advantage these tires have, new tires have on this track. I mean, Kurt Busch unlapped himself and drove his way back up to eighth place in a matter of Maybe 30, 40 laps, if that. I can't remember exact. But holy smokes, we had some hard chargers here at Homestead this weekend. And Chris Busher does win the hard charging award for throwing down fastest laps. A total of 39 here at Homestead Miami this past weekend. So Chris Busher becoming the first official winner. I know I teased this uh, last week on the podcast, giving out a hard charging award. We're going to give it to the driver that lays down the most fastest laps Every week, Chris Busher is the first winner of that award. So, again, a lot of interesting players here on this list. And the other thing that I want to talk about real quick is, you know, we talk about track position and all this stuff and, you know, guys at a disadvantage from starting deep in the field. 
But just check this. William Byron finishing first, started 31st. Tyler Reddick finishing second, started 35th. Uh, Ross Chastain was able to fight back. He was up in the top 15, you know, for some part of the race. Was hovering around uh, 20th to 15th spot, but he come, came away 17th. He started back in 32nd. And I want to go down this list and talk about Matt Benedetto again. Because Matt Benedetto starting 37th, only able to come away with a 28th place finish. I mean, come on, man. This team, Matt Benedetto, where they are right now, points-wise, they've got to be in must-win mode at this point. Because I don't think this team, and quite frankly, I don't think Matt Benedetto at this point is that good of a driver to be able to put together enough races to get himself back in championship contention or playoff contention. I love Matt Benedetto. I think he's one of the most fun, likable personalities in the NASCAR garage. I want him to succeed in the Cup Series. I want him to win. I think there's a good chance he might. I mean, he's got a great opportunity coming up in Las Vegas this weekend where he finished runner-up in both races last year. But right now, man, in the position that they're in and just the lack of forward momentum, it's got to be so frustrating and it's got to be tough because... He knows that he's out of a ride next year. Austin Sindrick's taken over that seat in 2022. So Matt Benedetto right now is, you know, once again fighting for his career, something that he's done his entire career. Um, but this team's got to put together some some finishes, man. Be in contention. We got to see this 21 up front, and they've got to be relevant. Otherwise, I don't know what the future holds for Matt Benedetto. He might have to get demoted to Xfinity, you know, because we look down the line, so much talent, so much talent. Uh, coming up the ranks. So I feel for Matt Benedetto, and I'm very concerned for this team going forward. But a great opportunity presents itself at Las Vegas this upcoming weekend, and uh, hopefully they'll be able to capitalize on some of that. But that's your race recap from Homestead Miami Speedway. Again, great race. One of my favorites that I've seen in a while uh, on a mile and a half, and you know, just a breath of fresh air for everything that we have seen over these past few years at mile and a half. Uh, very impressed. And again, congratulations to William Byron for an emphatic win. And who knows, maybe this could be the spark of a breakout season for Mr. Willie B. We will see. But now I want to jump into some of Box Top Stories, a new segment that we have here on the Hard Charging Podcast, where we're just going to be breaking down some of the biggest stories coming out of the NASCAR news world. And I want to start with 2311 Racing. 2311 Racing has had their race shop unanimously approved by Huntersville commissioners, first reported by Joe Bruno of WSOC-TV down in Charlotte. Now, Denny Hamlin, as of late, has been very vocal about expanding this operation as soon as possible. You know, getting a second car, getting a second driver, and, you know, really putting this team on the map sooner rather than later. And I mean, this team's kind of already on the map just with the name, right? Michael Jordan, anything with MJ's name on it gets the attention that it deserves. This team has all the resources it needs to be great. You know, the uh, the alliance with Joe Gibbs Racing, the amount of sponsorship that this team has. DoorDash has become one of the biggest sponsors in NASCAR in just under a year. Under COVID-19 pandemic restrictions with all the money involved and all, and, you know, the, those logistics with NASCAR. They have Columbia Apparel that sponsors Bubba Wallace. They have uh, the Michael Jordan brand, obviously, and you know, above all else, this team has all the resources it needs to be great. But you know, it's not something that comes together this quick. And we've seen it so far. There have been uh, some 
you know, growing pains with this 2311 racing operation in the beginning. We're still unsure of, I think, the overall talent of Bubba Wallace as a Cup Series driver. You know, I think that this team will mold together as the season continues to go on, but people still think that they're going to be a playoff contender. I just don't see that, and I just don't think that it happens overnight and it happens that quick, despite how much support that this team has and, you know, despite the alliance that it has. I mean, Furniture Row Racing, Levine Family Racing, Furniture Row Racing won a friggin' championship and had to shut down the following year. So nothing in this sport, no team in this sport is safe. And Joe Gibbs, unfortunately, has the history of driving teams out of business, maybe. We don't expect that with 2311 just because of the name and just because of all of the immediate support that it's gotten. But, you know, hey, it opens up another opportunity for the Toyota camp. And you look at their pool of drivers right now. Daniel Hemrick, Daniel Hemrick, Ty Gibbs. You look at Harrison Burton. I mean, there are so many drivers that are in the Toyota camp looking for opportunity that Joe Gibbs just doesn't have. They have their rosters filled and their veterans probably are going nowhere. Um, so the addition of a second car is going to be tough. How are they going to get the charter? Where are they going to get the charter from? That whole system, as you all probably know, is a very complicated one. So, hey, it's great that they got their race shop approved. Uh, it's going to be right down the road from Joe Gibbs Racing, it sounds like. So all great. Continuing to see uh, new faces, new sponsors in the sport is awesome. I'm rooting for this team, but I just think it's going to continue to take some time. But nonetheless... Uh, great to see an expansion. We'll see what they're able to do in the years to come. Moving on, Buffalo Bills running back Antonio Williams announced his partnership with Xfinity Series driver Joe Graff Jr., becoming the latest NFL player to join NASCAR. And now we have seen a wave of NFL players gain interest in NASCAR over the past year. Started with Bernard Pollard Jr., active on Twitter, on social media, engaging with the fans, actively educating himself about NASCAR, and then, you know, just watching his journey through iRacing, you know, watching him talk about what it's like driving these cars in the simulator and, you know, getting that outside fan perspective that's really learning the ins and outs of what this sport is about was really, really cool to see. And, you know, with Bubba Wallace and everything that has happened over the course of the past year uh, with him, you know, a lot of people are looking at his story and are following his stories, especially now with Michael Jordan in the mix. So I look at guys like Alvin Kamara, who sponsored Ryan Vargas with the big squeeze. I look at Tua, Tua Tagovailoa, who was the uh, Grand Marshal at Homestead this past weekend. Jonathan Vilma, who was a former incredible linebacker for the New Orleans Saints, uh, was the honorary starter as well. So we have seen this, and we continue to see this now at Antonio Gibbs, Antonio Williams, excuse me, uh, this wave of NFL players. And, you know, we'll see how it continues to evolve, but nonetheless, it's... Uh, it's great for these Xfinity teams. It's great for these young drivers. Um, so hopefully they'll continue to get some press and hopefully they'll continue to get some support. It's really, really awesome that, uh, you know, people from other sports are actively wanting to learn about NASCAR and become, you know, invested in the sport. I think it's really, really great. And uh, we'll see how it continues to evolve, if at all, this year. Finally, something I saw uh, late last night, um, but man... Incredible gesture here. Marcus Lamanis, the CEO of Camping World, he took to Twitter and ignited basically what I want to call a movement uh, that would put Camping World on multiple unsponsored 
trucks. And I saw this man, I, I saw it was getting shared everywhere. Uh, and what an incredible gesture, you know, drivers like Jordan Anderson, uh, Jesse Iwuji, Sheldon Creed, our defending series champion who's driving a blank truck week in and week out, which is a joke. Um, and he does not, that team, nobody deserves that. Uh, there have been a number of abnormal blank unsponsored trucks this year. Uh, and it's really a shame because the truck series, all these young kids, I feel like all these NASCAR drivers, you know, they have to be more marketable. I look at Bubba Wallace, look at all the sponsorship he's gotten. He is marketable. He's got a personality, you know, he is passionate. He's emotional. That's, that's what I at least want to see out of these drivers. You know, some of these young drivers, they're like dry toast when, when they're, when they're in interviews. Uh, so we need some of that personality, but still, you know, the truck series and, you know, in wanting to get it more press because I believe it deserves it. It's arguably some of the best racing because you got all these young kids that, you know, drive without fear and are willing to take chances. Um, so, you know, I don't know the exact number of trucks that Camping World is going to be going to be sponsoring, but still, uh, what and what a gesture to be able to see and you know, great for the company, the title, the series sponsor, Camping World. Uh, it's great exposure for them and the truck series, you know, to see trucks with sponsors on them. You know, it's going to encourage other companies to invest in these teams and these cars and these athletes. Uh, so an incredible gesture by Marcus Lamanis. Um, You know, it's just a shame that we're put in positions like this and that, unfortunately, you know, drivers and teams are stuck in these situations finding sponsorship. I mean, it just goes to show how scarce the industry is right now and how difficult it is to retain sponsorship. I mean, Sheldon Creed won the championship last year and is driving an unsponsored, white, blank, bland, boring truck. It's a shame. Uh, that team doesn't deserve that. The sport doesn't deserve that. You know, these kids work their asses off week in and week out. These teams work their asses off week in and week out. They deserve sponsorship and they deserve some support i mean what do you expect what do you want them to do so uh i applaud marcus lamonis for sure man unbelievable cannot wait to see those those trucks on track this weekend but yeah let's now look ahead to uh las vegas who's going to be able to uh cash out in vegas this this, this upcoming weekend kurt bush did it uh, late last year for his first win at his home track. Can Kyle Busch try and find that mojo and get his first win at his home track? You know, he's still looking still looking to do that. Uh, with that said, are we going to see a veteran maybe uh, finally win a race? <laughs> I mean, uh, guys like Kevin Harvick, uh, Martin Truex Jr., Joey Logano, who won this race in the spring last year. Um, are we going to see some of that? Or is another youngster... Uh, gonna gonna come up the ranks and and win a race you know I look at as I said Matt Benedetto, who finished runner-up in both races last year uh, I look at a guy like Ryan Blaney who Ryan Blaney we all think as a you know a lock for a playoff spot but this team as well you know last year it was a story of putting themselves in bad positions making mistakes you know and I've said this is a year where Ryan Blaney needs to win on a track other than a super speedway and he needs to win more than once you know 
because it's not going to get it done. Driving for Team Penske or for any of these powerhouse teams, that's not going to get it done. You know, there should be a standard that these guys have to win uh, multiple races in these top teams. Uh, you know, barring any unforeseen circumstance, just because of the talent that's coming up these ranks and these kids are hungry. And hell, he could be on the outside looking in. And I know that we think about that as, you know, whole one in a million, but it's possible. You know, this team doesn't win. They run good. They get caught up in wrecks. They make mistakes. And that's that. That's it. They squeak away a win every year. So is a guy like Ryan Blaney going to be able to get it done you know, I think there's a lot of pressure on him to show that this weekend and, and to prove that they're going to be running up front week in and week out in the middle of the season. Uh, so there's a lot of pressure on guys like that. I look at Eric Almarola as well, you know, a driver who's consistent but doesn't win. And with William Byron, Christopher Bell, Michael McDowell winning, that playoff bubble burst already. Uh, so, you know, I think the main narrative is, are we going to continue to see a new face in victory lane, or is it time for the veterans to step up finally and be like, nah, man, we're, we're, we're still running this show. You still got, you still got a few more years. Um, but it's interesting, man. So many storylines to start this, to start this year. And, uh, hell Fox is running with the best season ever ad campaign. It's been great so far. You know, we've had, uh, we've had some controversy. We've had some eh, iffy decisions, but, Nonetheless, it's been uh, it's been a pleasure being able to talk about it so far. So, but with that said, tune in to the Pennzoil 400 presented by Jiffy Lube this Sunday. Coverage beginning at 3 p.m. Eastern on Fox from the Las Vegas Motor Speedway. But now let's close the show with some Tuesday motivation. Why don't we? You know, while this is a NASCAR podcast, the hard charging brand. You know, this is all about living your best life, living life in the fast lane, and taking chances. Uh, so this past week, I do want to uh, just address something I'm sure you've heard. It was all over the news. Uh, PGA Tour GOAT Tiger Woods was injured in a car accident and is now recovering from leg surgery. Uh, many golfers paid tribute to the legend during the final round of this past weekend's tournament. But if there's one thing that we know for sure, it's that we can never count Tiger Woods out. And you shouldn't count yourself out either. You got to keep grinding, man. You got to keep your hopes up high. Keep your head down low and keep going. You're going to keep uh, running into obstacles. We all do, you know, especially in today's day and age. I mean, I talk about this all the time, I feel like, in my personal life with my family and my parents, uh, just feeling stagnant. You know, you just got to keep going. Don't get flustered. Get the hell back up when you get knocked down. You know, that's why, that's why God gave you legs to, so, that you, so that you could walk back up and stomp on the competition. So above all else, don't ever forget it. Keep your foot to the floor, leave the BS out the door, and that's going to do it for me on today's episode. I hope you all have a great rest of your week. Thank you all so much for tuning in to episode three. I would really, really, really love to hear your thoughts on this episode over on Twitter. Uh, we're talking NASCAR on the daily over there. That link will be in the description of this episode, in addition to the YouTube channel, where we got content up there. Really hope you'll subscribe to that. Uh, really, really proud of some of the content we're making. Uh, so hope that you'll subscribe to see that as well as TikTok. It's a lot of fun, man. We're really trying here. Uh, so I appreciate all your support and, uh, just trying to get the best content out for you guys. Uh, that's all that really matters to me. Uh, as long as you guys are enjoying it, that's all that matters. I really, really appreciate the support. Can't say that enough. And, uh, I'll talk to you next week. Enjoy the race this weekend. Uh, really looking forward to it. 
but we'll talk to you. This is Mike Bachman, signing off. Yeah.